word. Get your Bibles out and you can go ahead quickly and find the Gospel of John. If I sound <clears throat> somewhat different this morning, I'm coming down with a healing. This is the last message of our series that we've been doing. Are you living in a haunted house? We want to get the enemy out of your house and get the power of God back in. And uh, this will be the last week that we will have this set on stage. And I just want to take a moment again and thank Noah Pruitt and Tyler Baird and all the young people that were a part of pulling all this together. Can we just give them a hand clap because they worked hard at it. We appreciate that. Again, I know there were some, I'm aware of a few, and, and I'm afraid I'd miss all the young people that helped in various ways. So guys, I appreciate everything you do in this regard, and, and, and I don't want to miss anybody, so we'll just recognize you uh, as a group. Our, our next one in November, now I'm going to just be preaching on some uh, uh, various topics, but once we get to the Christmas season, we're going to have a new Christmas series. We're going to recreate this whole place. It's, it's, it's going to take another transformation and I'm going to be talking about what I've entitled, Don't Let Your Grinch Steal Christmas. Don't Let Your Grinch Steal Christmas. So I'm looking forward to that, and uh, it should be fun as well. You'll remember the last three weeks we've been talking about <clears throat> our houses, our homes, wanting to drive the enemy out. We talked about first clearly seeing the spiritual, making sure that we're identifying that things go on in our homes that are beyond the natural, but actually it's stirring in the spirit realm. The second week, we talked about cleansing the house. We talked about how things have to be cleansed, and, and there are aspects of, uh, of, of, of the ways the enemy can get into our homes that we are even unaware of that have to be cleansed, and it has to be swept out. The third week, last week, we talked about closing the door. Once that is swept out, we've got to close the door to the things that might seek to get back in our homes to cause upheaval, instability, stress. In fact, we've used all of these uh, headstones that you see here before you as imagination solicitors in order that you might begin to see areas of our houses and our homes that are under attack and being challenged. And we want to do our best to get our homes to the place where they're no longer haunted or they're no longer being challenged by the enemy, but a place where there's peace, there's joy, there's contentment, there's an ability for you to flourish and be successful. God wants that for you. He wants that for your household. He wants that for your life. But we've got to do some things in order to see that come to pass. And so we've been doing that through the month of October. Now we've also been just showing you some clips here and there from a DVD that I first saw, I originally saw this at the movie theater back in the early 1960s. Now, that means it was a long time ago. We're talking 40 plus years ago, probably. And the DVD was called The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. It was a Universal Studio, kind of like a Disney production. It was about uh, a man by the name of Luther Heggs, who is portrayed as Don Knotts, an aspiring yet fearful newspaper reporter. No one believed him in town that, that the old Simmons mansion, the old Simmons place was haunted. And uh, he has various experiences and he presses past his fears. He ends up spending the night in this old haunted house and weird things are happening. Nobody believes him until the very end of the movie when all of a sudden all the different pieces come together and he has the ability uh, to solve the case. And the clip that I want to show you this morning is when Luther finds out who's behind all that has been going on and what actually has been transpiring in this supposed haunted house. So guys, you can douse the lights, watch the screen overhead. That sounds like Alma! Come on! One step closer and I'll kill her! Know what these are, Mr. Simmons? That's right. They're my shears. The ones you used to kill your aunt. And you left them there to pin it on me. I'll kill her, Kelsey. Now let me out of here. 
Won't do you a bit of good, Nicky. Now everybody's going to know about this staircase. You a big alibi, Nicky. It won't help to bulldoze the house down now. It's <laughs> Downstairs and come up behind them. How? Push the andiron. It opens the panel in the study. Andiron. and then try to pin it on me. I'll kill her, Chelsea! Don't give up now, Luther. Get him! Stay back, Higgs! Stay back! Stay back! Get him, Luther! Get him! Luther, get away! I'll kill her, Chelsea! I'm gonna call the police. Pushed the end iron and the wall opened up. Well, you just better learn to take the word of the press, Chief. All right, now let me get this whole thing straight. You see, the secret staircase was Simmons' big alibi. That's right, the big alibi, Rooney. You see, that night the old man was up in the organ loft playing in the organ. I heard a scuffle coming from Madam's bedroom. I saw Nick Simmons run out of the room and head for the organ loft. Topside. He didn't see me. He didn't see him. I went into the room. And there lay Mrs. Simmons, with my garden shears stuck in her throat. Here they are. Here's your murder weapon. I submit these as Exhibit A. Watch the prints on those. I grabbed those and put them under my coat. When the servants came up the stairs, we heard a scream from the organ loft and the thud of a body falling into the bushes. We rushed over, and there on the ground below lay the body of old man Simmons. Dead as a doornail. We turned, started down the stairs, and met Nick Simmons coming up, like he'd just come home. Of course, he'd slip downstairs beware the secret staircase. How come you took so long to bring this out in the open, Mr. Kelsey? Well, I was scared. After all, that was my shears. But this was my last chance. Well, that wraps it up. Take him away, Chief. You knocked Simmons out, Luther? That's right. Karate. Made my whole body a weapon. <laughs> well, as silly as the illustration is, the only way the mystery was solved was when Luther eclipsed his fears and he applied his knowledge of karate and he didn't give up and he didn't give in. In order for you to stay successful in keeping your house free from all of these headstone influences and all of the influences that we've mentioned just didn't have opportunity to, to paint on a prop, you're going to have to do something similar in the spirit. And that's why I've entitled the lesson this morning, Claiming Your Rights. Claiming Your Rights. Now I want to read to you two verses out of the Gospel of John. As we get started this morning, John chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 12. It says this, but as many as received him, meaning Jesus, to them he gave the right, everyone say right, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God claiming your rights now there are two words two things in this simple passage that you need to get inside of you if all of this that we've talked about the month of october is going to work the first word is the word received everyone say with me received one more time say received received 
receive signifies, and it stresses the accomplished and necessary result of an action. In other words, listen to me carefully. Every day, uh, probably at your house or at a place of business, the mailman comes by, and every day you get the mail. You get it. Uh, Sometimes the mail carrier will come in and he'll throw it on a desk. Sometimes he'll put it in a mailbox. Sometimes you'll take it right away. Sometimes you'll get to it later. Sometimes the mail will come to you and you'll scan it quickly if you're like I am and you just kind of throw out all the junk stuff and keep the stuff that you really want uh, to have. But, But I want you to understand that when it comes to the word receive, receiving something isn't like how you get the mail. You literally, with this word, have to apprehend it. It's not as if the mailman comes by and drops something in your box. It's as if you go chase the mailman and apprehend it. That's a better understanding of what it means to receive. We have to apprehend. We have to lay hold of Christ. It is not oftentimes what we face in what I call this silly 21st century way of doing things where, where people say, pray these three lines and you're born again. You may be able to pray three lines and you may be able to get born again on that. But the problem is people aren't apprehending what they're praying. You've got to apprehend. You've got to lay hold of. And once you've received him, then the second word is the word right. Right. Once you've received him, you have the right. You have the authority. You have the privilege. You have the ability to act or to do, or we might even say to use what has been given to you as a child of God. In other words, if you're not a child of God, you have no right. Are you with me? Now, you can even think you're a child of God, but if there hasn't been appropriate receiving, then you still have no right. But if you've laid hold of, if you've apprehended, if you've received, then you have a right to function as a child of God. But here is the problem. The problem is that most people, most believers, live below their rights. Now let's talk about that for just a minute. Why do Christians live below their rights? Well, the reason spiritual things do not work in people's lives is because they do not take the steps to appropriate what is rightfully theirs. Until we know our rights in the family of God and until we decide to implement them, you will never do supernatural things. You will never do extraordinary things. It's interesting that here in America, we have a constitution that attached to it is something called the Bill of Rights. Has everybody heard about the Bill of Rights? The Bill of Rights are certain specified rights that were codified and enumerated by which you and I can enjoy as American citizens. Now, we all can embrace and function under those Bill of Rights. But those rights can be violated unless you act, enforce, and use what is given to you. Are you with me? There are a lot of people that have all sorts of rights, but those rights are violated because they choose not to enforce them. Now, the question is, Uh, Why does that happen? What are some of the obstacles that diminish our ability to exercise certain rights? Well, let me give you five quick things, and there may be more, but these five I would put at the top of the list. Number one, the reason some people do not exercise their rights or they live below their rights as a Christian, number one, is because of ignorance. Some folks just don't know the full extent of what God has provided for his people. Some people just didn't know that was a right that they have as a child of God. The most unfortunate thing today, at least in America, I can't speak for all the world, but I can to some degree speak for America, it's this, that we got the doctrine of forgiveness down. We all know that God, through his son on a cross, made atonement for our sins, and because of that atonement, you and I can enjoy forgiveness. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing, but that's about where we stop. We stop at the concept of, well, I'm forgiven, and I know I have a right in him to experience forgiveness. That's great, but that's not the goal. That's the door. Are you with me? We've made that the goal. You've got to realize that's the door, and people just don't know that there's lots more behind that door of a cross. 
that is a right that has been provided to you as a child of God to enjoy uh, not only your relationship with God, but to enjoy some level of abundancy in life even here and now. The second word is the word intimidation. Intimidation. Some people have been feared out of their rights. What do I mean by that? It's that you've come to the place where you think the enemy is just too big, too bad, too powerful. You just don't want to do anything to get him upset. And he has feared you. He has intimidated you out of your rights. Do you remember when the children of Israel, the first generation, was ready to go into the land? They sent in the spies, a dozen of them. They came back. The report was 10 to 2. We've looked at the giants, and they're just too big. They're just too big. And that is Christians' problems oftentimes. They see what's before them. They see the giants. They they understand they've got some promises, but they see all the obstacles that are before them, and and it has feared them. I I can't take that on. I can't take that on. I can't take this on. We have reached the place where we just capitulate if we think it's too big or too awesome or, or it solicits too much fear, intimidation, and it keeps you down from where ultimately God would want you to be. The third word is the word intellect. Intellect. Some people are just too smart for their own good. I, I mean, they don't buy into all this stuff because they're just so smart. Do you know what? I, I went through because I majored in college in philosophy and religion, and I have come to the conclusion that philosophy, particularly philosophy professors, are great at asking questions. But when you evaluate their lives, it's cruddy. Their philosophy has gotten them nowhere. Their senses and their reasoning has brought them to all sorts of corners of, well, maybe, could be. They love asking questions, they just can't provide any solutions. And folks, we've got to get to the place where, again, I'll tell you, I don't believe you have to check your brain out at the door, but there's a simplicity to the gospel. This isn't all that hard. Jesus said the things of the kingdom could actually be apprehended by children. The problem adults don't apprehend is because we think it's got to be bigger and more complex and it can't be that simple. Yes, it is. It's just that simple. And our smarts sometimes get in the way. The fourth word is the word inferior inferior when people begin to hear about certain rights that they have as a believer i've I've watched this it's really it's it's based out of a religious spirit i think but people will say oh oh pastor that sounds great if it were only true if it were only true for me i don't know that it'd be true for me i'm not sure all that stuff you're talking about now i I can kind of believe that it would work for a pastor because you know you love god like you know you you know pastors are supposed to love god But, you know, for just me, I'm just kind of ordinary, and it probably won't work for me. And so you've developed this whole inferiority complex by thinking that God has some rights reserved for the privileged and other rights reserved for those who aren't quite as privileged. So you say, well, it probably works for pastors, and it might work for connect leaders and and other people that, you know, seem to have a confidence. But me, I'm not sure it would work for me. And you bought into this lie of inferiority. And then finally, number five, is the word I will give you insubordinate. Why why do some Christians not function in their rights? Well, either number one is they don't believe it, which is an act of insubordination as a Christian. If, If I read you something out of the Bible and you were to look at me and say, I don't buy that, then you're in rebellion. So you either don't believe it, or number two is you refuse to act on it. The reason a lot of spiritual things don't work for people is because they simply choose not to do what is required. You can't pick and choose what you like and what you don't like, apply this, don't apply that, and wonder why the whole ball of wax doesn't work. I've had people look at me and say these things. They say, well, if God wanted me to be healed, if God wanted me to be delivered, well, we'll even go a step further because we're a full gospel church here. Well, if God wanted me to pray in the spirit and speak in tongues or move in power, well, he'd just lay it on me. I mean, that God's God, he'd just, he just lay it on me. Well, can I suggest to you that if God wanted you dressed, maybe he'd just dress you. Why don't you walk around naked under that philosophy? Because if that's God's will, 
He's sovereign. Or maybe if God wanted your hair combed. Well, isn't it amazing what God can't do in your life? Are you with me? Got people all the time go, oh, yeah, well, if God wanted me to have that, he'd just give it to me. <laughs> well, if God wanted shoes on your feet, he'd have, had you be born with shoes, right? We used to say that, you know, back in the old holiness movement to the women. We used to say, hey, if God wanted you to have earrings, he'd have put holes in your ears. You know, that's what we used to say. Well, isn't it good to know, ladies, that you can put holes in your ears and hallelujah, look nice. But you had to do something or act on something in order for certain things to take place. So why do we think our spiritual rights function any differently? We can have a book full of possibility. We can have a book full of promise. But unless we choose to act on what is available, it will never happen in our life. So how do we begin to assert our spiritual rights? How do we begin to appropriate and activate all the things that are promised in God's word in order that it might become a benefit to us who are walking this out in the world today. Well, for powerful promises to come to pass in your life, you have to, and you might want to write this one down, and, and it's not on the screen, but you can write it down somewhere. You have to, what I call, stake your claim. Stake your claim. You have to enforce the promise that God has spoken into your situation. You've got to enforce it. The Israelites, again, we'll just use them as an example. The Israelites were a promised people, were they not? God had spoken to them all through the history of the Old Covenant. He spoke to them. He spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He spoke to all of them about a promised land. And hear me, and you've heard me teach this before, that when we teach about the promised land, we're not talking about, I don't believe, going to heaven. A lot of people teach the promised land is heaven. I don't believe that because I don't believe there are going to be any giants in heaven. I just don't believe that. I don't believe you're going to have to fight your way through heaven. I just don't believe that. So what does it mean? How does that interpret today, the promised land? Well, I believe the promised land is, is a word that God uses for destiny or the future. In other words, when the children of Israel were going into their promised land, it wasn't that God was just wanting them to do a real estate transaction. Literally, what that meant to the Jewish mindset was this, that I am leaving Egypt. Listen to me now. I am leaving Egypt where wages were terrible. You do realize Pharaoh didn't pay very well. Housing was terrible. We lived in cruddy housing. My work hours weren't what I needed. There was just, there was, there was lack all around. We didn't have straw to make bricks. I worked with a terrible taskmaster. Pharaoh was a terrible, terrible ruler and authority. Everything that could be bad is epitomized in the concept of Egypt. So here God is. He says, I'm going to deliver you from all that stuff that's seeking to deplete your life. I'm going to, I'm going to deliver you from all of these things that wreak havoc and destruction. All of these things that are pulling you down, that aren't getting you to that place, not just of, of, of natural wealth, but those wonderful intangibles like peace and joy and hope and contentment and all those wonderful internal things that you don't think you need that much of until you don't have it. And, and so here the children of Israel are, and, and, and the Lord says, I'm going to bring you into this land, and the land represented everything that they needed. It represented their hope, it represented possibility, it represented peace, it represented joy, it represented a good job finally, it represented a, a, a liberty, it represented all sorts of things in their, in their mind and in their mentality. But get this, despite the fact that God spoke this promise to them, listen, he brings them to the edge of the Jordan, he's spoken the promise that they would have a land, and now basically he looks at him and he says this, will you fight for what's in front of you? Are you hearing me? God didn't just all of a sudden send a plague across the land and kill everybody and said, go take it. He said, you're going to have to rise up and you're going to have to go and face the giants. Get this in your spirit this morning. Anything that you get from God, anything that you get from God is going to take 
something on your part to do. Even in salvation, I know we say the phrase, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that may be true, and I believe it's true because I'm Protestant, I'm Reformation in my thinking, but truth of the matter is, I just can't say lay it on me, I have to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Is that not right? So, so I still got something to do. So we all know even in salvation, as simple as salvation is, you got a little bit to do. Well, if you're going to get into your promise, if you're going to cleanse your house, if you're going to begin to see kingdom things happen in your life, you're going to have to enforce some things. The Israelites had to enforce the promise of God that had been given to them. The Lord said to them, this is what he said. He said, don't fear. He said, they'll rise up. They're going to challenge you, but don't you fear. They'll not be able to stand before you. But truth of the matter is, you're going to have to go in and enforce the promise that God has given to you. We are called and we are promised many things in the Bible. We are called to experience peace. We are called to experience joy. We are called to be able to prosper and have our needs met. We are called to be able to walk in health and healing. We've been called to not be bound up by addictions and and inner turmoils and issues. Think of all the things that we've been called to. But the enemy has set up strongholds in the earth. He has set up giants before you. And he set these giants up in your homes and your houses and your jobs and your circumstances. And he sets them up. And the whole time he set up these giants, they're looking at you. They're, 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 they're saying, we don't believe you can overcome us. I've listened to this for years. I've heard people say, well, pastor, I've overcome this and this, but I just, I don't know why. I can't overcome this. You've got to enforce the power of God in that situation too. Maybe this giant was only seven foot tall, and maybe this one's ten foot tall, but the bigger they are, and they fall. You have to claim your rights. You have to activate the tools. You have to begin to do some things. God God just doesn't sovereignly blow in and kind of like the pins at a bowling alley, he bowled a strike in your life, and they all fell down. That's not how it works. You have to enforce it. Now, there are five things I'm going to give real quickly that you have to know. Again, you know, the Word of God is a blueprint in our life. So there's, there's all sorts of things we could, we could elaborate on, we could probably pull in, but if I can get maybe these five things under your belt, you'll be better off than probably 80% of the rest of the church. These five quick concepts that can begin to help you assert your rights. Number one, it's this. You must know. You must know. You've heard me say this, and I'm going to say it again. You ever hear anybody give a testimony and say, I know that I know that I know. You must know that you're a child of God. You can't say, well, I hope so. Your target practice, the hope so crowd, is going to get blown away. There has got to be a moment that you nail this down, that you know, that you know that you've received, that you know that you've apprehended, that you know that you've laid hold of, that you know that you've been translated from death unto life, that you know that that no longer are you walking in darkness, but you're walking in light. You know that you know, I know whom I have believed. And then persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I, I know. Now, many people hear the word, word child of God, listen to me, and they hear that word child and they think it's sort of this cute analogy. You've heard the old song? I'm going to try to sing here. So bear with me. It's a solo. You've heard this though. Jesus loves the little children. Really? All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And, and, and of course, our kids will sing that. And is that song true? Yes, it's true. But, let, but let's work through just one little process. While in some ways, in I guess the most generic of way, sure, everybody is a child of God. Everybody is loved by God. Listen to me. God, God doesn't not love anybody. 
He loves everybody. He loved you so much, the Bible says, that he gave his only begotten son, that if you'd believe in him, you wouldn't perish, but you'd have everlasting life. So the issue isn't about God loving you. Isn't that good news? God loves everybody. But loving you does not necessitate saving you. God loves a lot of people straight to hell. He really will. The whole time, jumping up and down, going, I love you, I love you, I love you, I don't do that, please, I love you. But the whole time, we're just doing our thing. That's, you see, that's why you must turn, because love demands a response. And unless you respond in a way that's prescribed by him, unless you respond, then, then we can have this little cute analogy that we're all children of God, but truth of the matter is, you're not a child of God that can function under the rights of citizenship. In the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, I want to read to you a couple verses here. We've been going through this with the guys at Iron Men on Tuesday nights, and I want to read you two quick verses here in Romans 8 verse 16. It says this, this is a great verse, it says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we're the children of God. Let's stop there for just a minute. There should, be, there should be this sense that the Holy Spirit is bearing witness inside of you that you are a child of God. Some people have that witness. That witness brings the nature of the Holy Spirit to you. It brings peace. It brings joy. It brings, it brings a sense of excitement. It brings a sense of assurance. But if you're lacking assurance, if you're lacking confidence, if you're under conviction, folks, I'm telling you, that's the Holy Spirit saying to you, come on, man, you can be one of my children. And then this is what it says in verse 17, and if children, listen, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So listen to what Paul says. He says that, that as children of God... We are joint heirs, joint heirs with Jesus. We are joint heirs with the Son. This is really great. I know I'm, I know I'm really simplistic and I'm taking time with this, but this is very important. Our inheritance from God as heirs, my inheritance from the Father as an heir, is exactly the same as Jesus' inheritance from the Father and I, because I am a joint heir. Joint heir. So whatever Jesus got in this inheritance, we have full and complete rights to the very same thing. Are you with me? So what Jesus could do as the son, what Jesus could speak as the son, what Jesus was able to operate in as the son... You and I have the ability to do the very same thing. In fact, it's not only that the potential exists. Listen to me. Potential is a wonderful thing. You have the right. Is this sinking in? Because it's a right to act. Not just, well, I know I have that potential. No, you have that right. It is a right. So just as Jesus was able to heal, you have a right to healing. Just as there was power As a child of God, we have a right to power. We have a right to dominion. We have a right to provision. We have a right to blessing. You know why I have a right? Because Paul said in Ephesians 2, I am seated. I am seated right now with him in heavenly places. As he sat next to God as an inheritor of that place, Paul says you and I have been seated right there with him. You say, well, that sounds arrogant. Well, that's our problem. Our problem is it's no more arrogant than me waking up on November the 4th and deciding I want to go down and vote. Is going down to the local polling place and voting on November the 4th arrogant on my part? I don't think so. It's my right. Isn't that true? I have a right to vote. I don't suppose any of you got up this morning and you consternated over the fact that you were going to come to church and sit in this place with a freedom to assemble. You, you, you didn't consternate and, and go to yourself, oh, is that, am I being arrogant? I'm going to church today. I, I wonder if that's arrogant. No, it's not. It's your right. Are you with me? I have a right that if someone 
that if someone were to break into my home and want to harm my family or seize my property unlawfully, I have, I have a right at that moment to defend myself. If a perpetrator comes into my house, I don't have to look at him and go, whoa, whoa, I don't want to be arrogant here. Can I help you tote it to the car? No, no, you have a right. It's your right. If you want to let someone into your house and search it without a warrant, if you want to stay home and not come to the house of God, if you don't want to open your mouth and exercise your freedoms and rights as, as, as a citizen of America, you can do that, but your rights will not be valid. You can have the whole bill of rights, but it does you no good unless they're enforced. Our problem is the devil wants in, he has no search warrant, and we just say, when we ought to stand there and say, ain't no way. I've checked with my advocate, my lawyer, and he says, you have no right here in Jesus' name. And the enemy will look at you and say, how dare you? Because the enemy doesn't come in a red suit with pointy ears and a pitchfork. And a long tail. No, he comes as your friend. He comes as your family. He comes as people who want to drag stupid, silly, evil stuff. He doesn't come that way. He comes through our television sets and our DVDs and our CDs. And he comes through the media and we just go. Are you with me? And so you've got to exercise your rights. You are a child of God. Hallelujah. The world doesn't know it. But that doesn't matter. The one who needs to know it knows it. So you must know. You must know. You must know. Number two. You must know you can do all things. Most of us are experts on what we can't do. I, I can't do that. I just, I can't. I can't. I can't. Most of our can'ts, by the way, being rightly interpreted, is won't. It's not that you can't. You won't. And again, I'm just telling you, the Bible says, I'm just quoting Philippians 4.13. Some of you have it memorized. You know what that says, don't you? It says, quote it with me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, you can. You have to know that. The reason that verse is true is because if you've received, apprehended, laid hold of, do you realize this is the coolest thing? Get ready. Your seat's going to tingle right now. God is in you. Do you understand that right now? Man, God is in me. He's in me. If you've received him, he's in you too. And you're of a new order. You're a part of the born again. And, and let's just put a little bit more on top of that. If it could get any better, I am filled with the spirit of God. All that I need or find necessary is in me because of him. I am unstoppable because he is unstoppable. Angels are awaiting their directions because God is in me. No weapon formed against me can prosper. My shield of faith extinguishes every fiery dart of the enemy. If God be for me, who can be against me? He said, nothing shall be impossible for you. I can do what Jesus said, even greater works than these. I am not normal. I just confirmed it for you. I'm not normal. Not normal at all. I'm paranormal because something supernatural is going on inside of me. We're, we're as the church, this is, this is the weirdest, wildest thing. I don't want to relate to the world. I want to relate to him. I'm not looking to be contemporary for contemporary sake with the world. I'm looking to be contemporary with him. Me identifying with you gets me nowhere. But if I identify my joint airship with him, I can do anything. That's our problem. We just try, we try to relate to people, and it's time we started relating to our God. I'm identified with Christ. The Word says that if I'll identify with Him, I can overcome the world. Satan is under my feet. This is no idle thing. 
I am convinced that before the master returns, there is going to be a group of men and women. I believe there is going to be a movement. I don't believe it's just a church. I believe it's a movement. It's a movement of folks who will recognize this and begin to show the world a type of supernatural ability that will startle them. The world is ruled by its senses. We are ruled by the Spirit, and it's time that we startle their senses with who we are in Him. So you got to know you can do all things. Number three, you've got to begin to envision your victory. I'm going quickly now. I'm going to be spending some more time next month on this about envisioning. Dr. Cho maintains that, that you access supernatural power through envisioning and imagining and dreaming. But God will not subdue things for you. You must subdue your issues. You must subdue the giants that are before you. It starts by seeing, seeing your rights, seeing your victory, your ability to see the promise of God, see your life as being whole and functional, see your household as being peaceful and joyful, see your bank accounts beginning to move with finance for kingdom purpose. You got to start seeing some things. You can't just see lack and, and poverty and you just can't see trouble and trial. You've got to, in the midst of your circumstances, begin to see God's promise. The Israelites saw themselves as grasshoppers, so they were in their own eyes, the Bible says, and so it was in everyone else's eyes. The reason people look at you and they don't think you're much or they just dismiss you probably is because that's how you see yourself. God had to put them 40 years in a desert, actually had to kill off a whole generation in order to get a generation back on the scene that could begin to see. We need to see the land in front of us. We need to get that well-able spirit that Joshua had. We are well-able. We need to get that Caleb spirit that says, give me that mountain. Some of you right now, listen, I love you. God loves you. I want you to succeed, and I want the best for you. But some of you are in a desert right now because you refuse to see. And you're going to keep spitting sand until you shake off the mentalities of the past, and you say, Lord, I'm going to see what it is you said I had a right to see. It is time some of us got up, walked outside our tents, looked at a night sky, and began to see what Abraham saw. So shall your descendants be. So shall your promise be. See it. See it. Then number four, I'm hurrying. you got to speak it. You got to speak the victory. You got to speak those things that be not as though they were, the Bible says. You got to speak the end from the beginning. That's Bible. How many of you believe that when God's in the middle of something, victory, there, there's no question as to who wins? Do you believe that? Do you believe that if God's involved in what you're doing, then you know for a fact nothing can beat him. So therefore, wherever this thing ends, it's going to end in victory. Amen. So since I know where the thing's going to end, then I know what to say from the beginning. If we can learn to speak that, the enemy will begin to move and the power of God will begin to be released. We've just started doing this. And I know that there are others that have begun this as well. We've just started speaking words like, people like me. People like me. Do you, know, because, you know why we do that? Because there are some folks, believe it or not, that will walk around all their time and say, nobody likes me. I don't, I, they aren't going to like me. And you know what happens? The very thing you spoke was put into existence. And you're confirmed constantly on your confession. It's really amazing that you wouldn't believe the positive side of it because the negative side is so easily confirmed in your life. It just isn't going to work. Oh, and then it doesn't work. You, you ought to jump up and down and run around the house. Hallelujah, miracle. I confessed it. It isn't going to work, and it didn't. Glory to God. My whole life's falling apart. And then it falls apart. Wow! Miracle power! I spoke it. Do you see? I spoke it and it happened. No, we, we have no problem believing the fear side of the equation. We've just started saying things like, people like me. 
Now, now, you also have to understand, you just can't say silly things out of your mouth. You've got to say things that are attached to the Word of God. For instance, this is how we've done it. Well, you know, people like me, they are drawn to me because, Lord, your Word says that if Jesus is lifted up, you will draw all men unto yourself. And if Jesus is in me and I'm lifting Jesus up, then they can't help but be drawn. Isn't that true? That's a fact. Jack. I am a happy person because the joy of the Lord is your strength. I could go through all the verses that I can attach right with that. Jesus said, my joy I give to you and nobody can take it away. So I'm a joyful person. Nobody can take that from me. I have the favor of the Lord. I am healed. I am delivered. I am set free. Your life and your household can change if you just change the way you're talking. You've got to begin to speak the victory. I see thousands, listen to me now, there are going to be thousands of disciples invading this region. There are going to be hundreds and hundreds of worshipers. We just saw a spattering of worshipers at the well this morning. This will be filled. I can see, I can see people filling the wells of the church to worship my God. Come on, you got to begin to see it. we got to see the sick healed, the dead raised, the bound delivered. We can't go around saying, well, nobody likes me. Well, you're right, they don't. Well, I, ne- I, I, never, I never get what God's promised to me. Well, glory to God. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to be my friend. Well, you're right, nobody does. Listen, can I just say one more thing? We think self-pity is humility. <laughs> Nobody likes me. That's not humility, that's self-pity, that's sin. Are you hearing me? I, everybody thinks they're being humble. Nobody likes me, nobody wants me. That's, you, you, you gotta get a new mindset. How can you say that when Jesus said, he said, you're a joint heir. When Jesus, when Jesus said that, that because the light that's in you, I will, I will draw people into your presence. Do you think somehow or another that's humility? No, it's not. It's self-pity. It's self-centered. Because you don't want to obey what God has said is available. you got to speak it. Number five, finally, you got to be persistent and consistent. And this is where we'll end. I have people come to me and they'll say, Pastor, you've taught on this before. I tried it twice and it didn't work. I know, I did, I, I did that yesterday once about noontime, and I thought, and it just didn't happen for me. It's kind of like, I always share this with people, it's kind of like being greedy for decades, and then you tithe one Sunday and wonder why the heavens aren't opened. There is a momentum to the things of the Spirit. I'm going to teach a lesson on that someday about momentum to the things of the Spirit. I just, like I said, I listened to Dr. Cho just a wonderful general, an older gentleman, 72 years old, and just had that, that accent, that Korean accent. And I'll never forget, he said one time, he said, when I'm sick, he said, I, one time I laid on the couch, and I just kept saying over and over again, by his stripes I am healed, one. By his stripes I am healed, two. By his stripes I am healed, three. By his stripes I am healed for. He said, I just kept quoting it and quoting it. And remember, what you speak begins to change how you think. And as you speak it more and more and more, suddenly your thinking begins to change. And your thinking turns into imagining. And your imagining turns into God's dreaming and visioning. And all of a sudden, after about a thousand times, it's in you. It's in you. There's a persistence to the things of God. You can't come to church once or twice and wonder why God's not for you. There's a persistence to the things of God. We throw in the towel too soon. Yeah, yeah, I went over there. I went to Legacy twice. Nothing happened to me. Well, surprise. I've, I've been here for six years since day one, and there's some things I'm still waiting for. You say, well, pastor, you don't understand. Time is running out. 
It's running out. Then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to speak longevity to your bones. I'm going to pray that God gives you an extra two decades to live so that you can get your confession right and you can see it happen before you die and go to heaven and find out what you could have had. Claiming our rights. I have decided to claim my rights. It's not arrogance. You can walk out and think that's an arrogant thing, and I don't care. I am claiming what is mine as a child of God. It is mine. It is mine. I am healed because that is mine. I am free because it is mine. I have a portion of this city as an inheritance because it is mine. There's land, 11 and a half acres, that if no one else wants, it is mine. It's mine. Why not claim a state? It is mine. A nation, a world. Listen, there's no stopping this thing if we decide to get serious about it. Some of us just need to start with our home address. This home is mine. As a child of God, I have a right to peace. I have a right to blessing. I have a right, I have a right to joy. It's not something, well, I hope, Lord, if you'd see fit, oh, God, if you'd just see fit, maybe if you're listening to me today. I've been praying about this for so long, and maybe you'll send a little bit of joy my direction. No, it's a right. It's your right. And you keep pressing your rights by what you're speaking. You're saying, you don't know where I live. I don't care where you live. Just keep speaking it, speaking it, speaking it. This household shall be saved. This household will serve the God. This household will be passionate about the things of God. This household will be a safe zone. This household will be a place of freedom, a place of beauty. This household shall be. Lord, this household shall be a place of worship. This household shall be a sanctuary. This household shall be a place when people walk in, they'll say, I sense something different about this place. This household shall be a place of obedience. I drive rebellion out in the name of Jesus. I just, I just, I, that's what you get. You can't do it twice. You got to keep, do it and do it and do it and do it and take it to the grave if you have to. Just keep doing it because you'll never know unless you do it. You got to do it. Claiming your rights. Do you understand that as a church right now, I don't know if, if, if you're an official member or if, if you're an attender, we love you, we're glad you're here. But do you understand that as a people, we have some rights? That just as the children of Israel had an individual right to all that they were going to receive when they went into the land, there was this corporate thing going on too. That as a people, God said, I will distinguish you amongst the nations. And he did. That's who I want to hang with. I am finding those people that know that they've got some rights and some promises in God and they're not throwing in the towel. They're not going to do it. You can reverse it today. You can change your whole way of life today. You can, you can do a reverse. If, you know what that's called? That's called repentance. You want to reverse your life? Repent. And if you'll repent all of a sudden things will start falling in order. Now, will the giants come see you? Sure they were. They will. The giants will come. And you know what you need to do? You need to say this, just like Clint Eastwood did. Make my day. Make my day. You, the bigger they are, it's a larger target. I know. I be, pray for a big one. They're easier to see. It's those little ones. Isn't it true? It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's that little stuff. That, how did that little, it's that little rat that, I mean, it's not as if this, you know, it's not the problem of the big rat at the door. It's that little rat that's running. And the whole, and, the, and then you're just seized with fear because where's that little thing going to show up next? See, so pray for the big one. It's easier to shoot at. You know, my cat, Toulouse, and I'm, uh, I still got a 60 seconds. I can tell another story. I love Toulouse stories. Toulouse, Toulouse is an inside cat. All his claws are gone. But he does like to go on the porch. And every now and then on the porch, he will get a hold of these green lizards. 
Maybe they're geckos. I don't know. I don't know what you They're just gecko. This is what's really even funnier than that. Is that, is that he has now gotten a touch with his teeth. That he's able to grab the lizard and hold him down. Now you understand, a cat's teeth are kind of, have you ever been kind of nipped at by a cat? I mean, that kind of hurts. But he'll grab that lizard and he brings that thing inside. And by the time he comes through the door and we realize, you know, because there's this green thing kind of. (laughs) And he lets it go. (laughs) That poor lizard. (laughs) And the other day, he came in, let one go. And you got to understand kind of how we are with animals. I mean, we we just have a soft spot for animals, even lizards. And so we knew the lizard had gotten in, but it had been a day or two since we'd seen him. Now, isn't that the worst? You know it's in there, and there's no way, there is no way you can, because it's only, you know, and all of a sudden that rascal came out. And he was in our kitchen, right under the table, the kitchen table. And of course, there's Trace. Get him! (laughs) And I'm going, listen, this is no joke, I don't want to touch him either. Because they secrete something, you know, and they, ah. I say, you get them. You've done better at this. So here we are. I'm down on the floor. And I've, I've got paper towels on both hands. <laughs> that joker, that joker can go three directions. I mean, incredible. And you should have seen us. It took two minutes. We're under the table, over the table. We're trying to run him into a corner. And he shoots out from that and. I mean, it was a movie right there if we could have had a camera at that particular moment. And then all of a sudden, of course, Trace got him because I think I was going to get him. And she was going, no, you're going to squash him. You're going to squash him. I said, well, then you get him. And she got him. And the instant she got him, man, this is what he did. This is his neck turned red. He was green, but his neck turned red. It was that green and red stuff, you know, that gets on the walls that we were talking about. Anyway, and he goes, Now, he, he ain't bigger than that. Dude, he just, what are you going to do, man? What are you going to do? And we got him outside and got him on his way. Listen to me. Listen to me. You, 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 you got to, are you hearing me? You got to get persistent even with the little things. You, you got, you, it, it may, it may, you may get that little bit of, bit of uh, stress or strife, or control, and you, finally it's just a little bit, but you got a hold of middle. Go, just what are you doing? You're out of here. You're out of here. Come on now, you got to start claiming your rights. How many of you want homes that are lizard free right now? I want a home that's lizard free. Amen. And the good news is you can have it. Amen. Stand with me, will you please? Thank you, Lord, that this morning we're claiming our rights in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would settle amongst us here today. Not only with your presence, but Lord, with a renewed sense of authority as a believer. Lord, cause us not to backpedal with the giants or with the little lizards. But Lord, cause us now to lay hold of all the rights we have as children of God, as sons and daughters of God. Lord, I pray right now, I pray right now, Lord, for those who are here, Lord, that would say they know you, they've received you, they're confident of that. But Lord, they're in a desert and they've backpedaled and Lord, they're just they're just defeated there's no other way to put it I'm just defeated you would say I want to change that right now with every head bowed and every eye closed right now this is what I'm asking I don't want you to play games with me but, but 
you would at least say, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know I'm a believer. I know, I know, I know. Because I'm going to get to it. If you don't know, playing the game at this moment isn't going to help you. So be honest. Just if this, if, if this isn't you, then don't, don't do anything. But if it is you, if you would say, you know, I've walked with God. I've been in the hunt. I've, uh, I've, I've done my best to serve him. But to be candid with you, I have lived in defeat. And, I, and it needs to change, Lord. If that's you, just lift your hand. That's all I want you to do. Just lift your hand. It needs to change right now. And see, there's numbers of hands right now. Now keep your hand lifted. Right where every head bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking around. There's no need to look. And here's what I want you to say. This group right here, this is what I want you to say. I want you to say, Lord, I thank you that you've revealed to me some things I can do to reverse my situation. I'm repenting from the way it's been and I'm turning to the way it needs to be. I commit to you today that I will be consistent and persistent in the things of God to do what I know to do. The things you've revealed to me today, I'm laying hold of it now. In Jesus' name, I am a child of God. I need to step into that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hand down. This is what I want to do before we go today, the most important thing we do. I don't know where people are, but this is what I want to ask. If you don't know, and you know what? I know folks that have gone to church for really decades and thought they were a child of God, and then something sparked in them that said, you know, I really never have had any confidence, and I didn't know. I don't care about church going. Church going really is good. I think it's important. You're trained and you're taught. It's, it's, it's an incredibly important element, but you got to know. You've got to know that you're a child of God. And that's the most important thing in the world. And here in these last moments, I want you to know, because you see, you can't say I'm healed if you don't know you're a child of God. You can't say I'm delivered when you don't know you're a child of God. You can't do this. All of this is, is forever a mystery to you, but once you know, oh, it all changes. It all changes. So I'm going to pray right now, and then this is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you to do a courageous thing. There may be folks here that have never taken a step out. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If you deny me before men, then I'm left with nothing else but to deny you as well. So what we do here at Legacy is we invite people to come forward because that's the way the word works. And it's just important because for you, it can be that moment where, you know what, I remember I walked to the front of a church, I, I staked my claim, I said, this is where it changes. This is where it changes. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to work in people's lives. We've done our best to preach the gospel. But Lord, this is the part that only you can do. I can, I can deliver a message, but Lord, only you can work in the heart. Lord, only you can unveil eyes that may have been blinded. Only you can knock at a door inside a person and say, will you let me in? Lord, in our society in America, there's a lot of game playing that goes on when it comes to church. But Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would allow this moment to drop the games, to drop the, the vocabulary, and just for one raw moment to have everybody in this room ask themselves the question, do I really know? Do I really know? And Lord, if they really know, that question doesn't bother them. If they aren't quite sure, well, it may bother them. Lord, I pray that that bother would be turned into an action to resolve it this morning. Lord, I pray that you draw, you draw many. Your word says if Jesus be lifted up, he would draw men and women unto himself. Jesus, we're lifting you up right now. At this place, we're lifting you up to draw the people that you're talking to today. I thank you. With every head bowed, it's just real quiet. Sometimes we're real rowdy when we do this, and other times we're real quiet. It's just a quiet moment. But why don't you be the first one and just say, you know what, I want to know before I go. I want to know before I go, Pastor. I'm going to slip out, and I want you to pray for me before I go. I want to know before I go. Why don't you be the first one this morning? It doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. Sunday after Sunday, 
whether one comes, ten come, or the whole altar's filled. I, I know this is God's work. How about it? How about it? I've only got just a few seconds. Don't wait me out. Don't wait me out. If God's talking to you, today's the day. Today's the day. The Spirit of God's tugging. It's time to know. It's time to know. How about it? How about it? How about it? I got about 60 seconds. But in 60 seconds, your whole world can get rocked here this morning. And you can step into something that will literally change your life and everything around you. How about it? Just a few moments. All hearts are clear. All hearts are clear. Today is your day, I know. Yeah, I know. Amen. Today, amen. Amen. And great things are in your future. He is. I know, I know, Robert, you love God. You're on a pursuit, man. I know you. I know your life. I know you're pursuing God. I know that. But today's your day that the rights of the kingdom are yours. Amen. Amen. I appreciate Robert's courage. How about you? Just another, I, really, I've only got a few seconds and i got to stop. Time for you. Okay. Amen. How many of you know we're citizens of the kingdom? Isn't that good? Citizens of the kingdom. Citizens of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. Praise God. We're one of my... Amen. Last prayer. Father, I just rejoice today. I rejoice with Robert that, that, Lord, it's just a whole new era is happening for him, Lord. You've been doing that over these last weeks. That's just a new season for him in Jesus' name. Lord, it's a new season for those that lifted their hands up this morning and said, i got to start walking in what, Lord, you're calling me to. And, Lord, for those that were here this morning and may not know that they know that they know, Lord, I know you're working at them, and we love them and you love them. And, and, Lord, we understand that unless you draw them, it's, it's just another religious moment. Lord, you got to work on their heart and draw them because we want them to know the joy, the absolute joy of walking with you. Lord, thank you for settling in your love amongst us this morning. Thank you for settling in your joy and your peace. I thank you for settling in your victory amongst the people of God this morning. Can you sense victory this morning? Come on now, you got a tool you got some tools in your hand now. The question, the question isn't that you heard a sermon. The question is, will you walk out of this place and put it in motion and do what you've got to do now in Him to walk out your victory? Father, let your people now, Lord, walk out what's been put inside of them. Lord, let it, let it, let it be that which transforms what's going on around them. Lord, give us, give us some tangible victory, I pray, this week. So it would, it would confirm your word and what was spoken to us. We understand it, it's going to be a, a fight for our whole lives were to fight the good fight. But Lord, I just pray right now that you would give your people some tangible victories this week. So Lord, it would confirm your word that was declared this morning. And Lord, I give you thanks for that as I release your folks this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, one more time. We'll give them a hand clap. Hey, don't forget, get your car washed. God bless you. We'll see you. Maybe in the middle of the